0: What's happening, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, joined, as always, by my co-host in the great state of Ohio, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, what's going on, man? You ready to talk about bill davis for 55 minutes
1: yeah we have um we have some takes to get off and we we were (laughs) we were discussing before we we got on the podcast that it seems like for the last uh month or so it's just been like we say things on the podcast and then they happen so i feel that we have um we have a responsibility to uh not kill anyone by saying something on the podcast we we need to to keep everyone alive and not predict any Uh, any deaths of any kind so I'll try to I'll try to hold that power safe and and keep everyone alive
0: (laughs) I'll predict that Herbie Husker dies not the actual (laughs) person inside the costume but Herbie Husker himself I feel like that would be a addition by subtraction for all of us
1: I do have an official prediction quickly if we're if we're going to get through here that I just I need to happen uh Ohio State head coach Mack
0: Brown I love it, baby. <laughs> Let's get it. Um I, I can't really do the Mac today because I've been sick all week. So if over the course of the podcast I sound weird, my apologies. I'll try not to cough and I'll edit out any any weird sounds or anything like that. But we are here to talk about Ohio State's thirty-six to thirty-one win over Nebraska this past Saturday it was a really close game and we haven't really talked any beforehand. So where where do we want to kick off? From this game because I know how this game started for me was I was supposed to live tweet like I didn't really say anything to Matt but it was just implied I was like all right I'll get up at 8 30 because I'm on Pacific time here in Oakland and I was like I'll oh, get up at 8 30 and you know make some breakfast get ready for the game I was so sick that I woke up at, at like 7 I was like oh good I got another hour and a half to rest and I went back to sleep and then I woke up and checked my phone and it was 9:15 I was like uh-oh we're already halfway through the first quarter. And sure enough, I went and turned on my TV, and the first play I saw was, I think, Nebraska's kickoff after they were up 7 nothing, and I was like, okay, it is going to be one of those days. And sure enough, for the rest of the game, it was one of those days.
1: Yeah, it was certainly one of those days. It was, um, I, I think in the, if I remember right, in the preview podcast, we talked about how um, Ohio State is a better team and and should be able to win pretty easily as long as they're um, not giving up a bunch of underneath plays and letting Nebraska really play efficient football rather than having to create big plays and uh, well Nebraska did just that and it was super close for the entire game and um, it was really a great third quarter from Ohio State that saved them from losing to a two-win football team which is not great it's not the ideal situation for what is ostensibly still a, a national title contender I, I really don't think ohio state is actually that but they're a one loss power five team so they they are technically still in the race for the playoff but <clears throat> i i just it was another one of these weeks where it's just i understand that college football you have weeks like this you have let down weeks against bad teams everyone does except for like alabama but, boy, we've had a lot of them this season. It feels like just about every week of this Ohio State season has been a letdown week. And um, i'm I'm honestly surprised that they didn't lose this game,
0: yeah. And you know what? I, I may differ from you and a lot of the listeners in this of all the games we've watched this year. This is probably the one that I'm least mad about. I guess because we're at the point where we've seen this now for two months. And it's just hard to expect anything else right now. And, you know, to your point, they played a really good third quarter and it felt like, okay, this is the chance that they just put these guys away. They're able to close the gap. And it was Nebraska played Ohio State close for a half. They held the lead, but then Ohio State rebounded, figured some things out and just ran through them in the second half. And that's where it looked like the game was going to go, but ultimately it didn't. And it was a very close game down to the wire, but I just, I can't, I don't have the capacity anymore for this team to get mad because at at this point, this is just what they are. And I think that there was a lot of good things to come from this game and maybe more good things than we've seen in the past three or four weeks. But even still, like this is, like you said, it's a two win team and I'll, I'll get to that particular point and something Urban Meyer said after the game a little bit later, but this is just kind of what this team is right now, and until they prove otherwise, it's hard to expect anything else.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I can even really say that I'm particularly mad about this result, and that that sounds like you know, there's there's the running thing on the internet where when people are mad, they say that they're not mad. But it, it really is at this point. This is just what Ohio State is. Like you you mentioned it. This is not a national championship team. I don't think. I don't think that they're cohesive enough as a unit they certainly have the talent but the coaching isn't there the scheme isn't there they just they look like a collection of talent and they've looked like a collection of talent for really since the first three games of the season I think that we know why that is and that's that's really where most of my I guess not really even anger just angst about Ohio State football goes is is towards the fact that this coaching staff is doing the same thing and it's it's really not changing at all. They they said that it would change. I think we kind of knew it wouldn't, but it's still disappointing to see that to to see it actually play out on the field where they talk all week and they had I mean, they had two whole weeks to try and figure some of these issues out. And the running game was better, but Nebraska's defense is trash. It was supposed to be a good running game. They did their job there. But the the defense was still not good at all, save for Brendan White, who I think was a, a small bright spot here stepping up when um when Jordan Fuller left the game for targeting and hearing Urban Meyer in today's press conference talking about how they still have to decide if Brendan White is the starter alongside Fuller now was just stupid. It's he's obviously the second best safety on this team, if not even better than Fuller. But I mean, that's par of the course and I I, I don't have any confidence at all that Ohio State will make the necessary changes personnel-wise, scheme-wise, going away from the players who maybe just have more reps than, than the younger guys behind them but aren't in any way more talented. I think it's pretty obvious that Tuff Borland, Pete Warner, those guys are not the most talented linebackers on this team. They're just the ones that practice the most. And I think that that's a really dumb way to run a football program. And it's, it's hurting Ohio State on the field it's going to continue to hurt Ohio State and I don't see any changes coming this season and I, I don't imagine that those changes will be coming even down the line in future seasons and that's disappointing.
0: I want to start with Brendan White because like you said he was I think the biggest bright spot he was awesome. of this game along with uh, J.K. Dobbins and we'll get to him and the running game a little bit more in depth as, as we continue to talk about this game but Jordan Fuller was ejected from the game, I think, with 21 seconds left in the first half, something like that, one of the l- last plays of the first half. I think it was half. early in the second quarter. Or was it, was it early yeah, in the second quarter? it early okay. in the second quarter. So, Brendan White comes on, and really, just from the jump, like just looked like he belonged on the field, Like looked mm-hmm. like a totally different player from anyone in the secondary, and he was flying around, he made 13 total tackles. Eight of them solo, two tackles for loss, and just looked like he knew exactly where to be, where to go, and was just playing with confidence, which is something that we haven't seen a lot of from not just talking about Ohio State secondary players, but defenders in general this season. And we saw a lot of that on Saturday. I I think you know it may be a little early in its one game against, like we said, a two-win football team to say that he's already one of the best players on the defense, but... We are so starved right now for good defensive play that a breakout performance like this against a two-win team is like, get this guy on the field right now. And he might not be that guy, but the fact is that nobody else has done that, you know, outside of Nick Bosa for them and Chase Young for a little bit this season. And you referenced that today Urban Meyer said, well, we don't know if he's going to be the starter you know, practice will determine that. And I think that goes back to our biggest frustrations with this team and with this program right now is it was the fact that, you know, they didn't just put him in on a whim and say, Hey, let's see what Brendan White can do. It was Jordan Fuller had to get ejected. What happens if Jordan Fuller doesn't get ejected? And I hate playing the what if game, but That's really where we are. You know, do we just never find out how good he is? Do we wait till 2019? Like this is the type of stuff where it takes this for a guy to get on the field. And not only that, but they were already thin in the secondary. You know, if Jeff Okuda was playing and some of these other guys were playing, does Brendan White even get in? If Jordan Fuller gets ejected, do they just reshuffle with the guys who have already played? So there was just all of these confluence of factors that had to happen For this guy to get even get on the field with the defense and he comes in makes 13 tackles and you never want your safety to have 13 tackles but at least this guy was good enough to clean up a bunch of messes and he was awesome and I I can't see how they can justify any sort of way to keep him off the field other than what we've been saying that they're just too timid to make any tough decisions when it comes to players, coaches, or really anything else right now.
1: Yeah, and the the thing with Brendan White, and I have a, I wrote a film room on him and his play and what made him so good that uh, should be out by the time this posts, I'm assuming, uh, so people should go check that out. But the, the thing that he did so well wasn't just that he was, more talented than pretty much anybody yeah. else on the defense it was that when he made mistakes which he did he made mistakes he overpursued at times there was a there was a time specifically on the goal line where he he bit too hard on a running back fake and he was out of position but when he made a mistake he got right back into the play he ended up making the tackle on that that run up the middle where he he over to the outside because he's an excellent athlete and a really smart player he kept his feet churning he was able to get back into the play and make the tackle to prevent what would have been an easy touchdown and Nebraska ended up scoring on that drive anyway, but it was certainly not Brendan White's fault. He was he was a huge part of Ohio State's what was a little bit of rush defense. They certainly weren't good defending the run, but when they were it was usually because of him. He was he was almost always there on pretty much every play. It was really even if he wasn't recording a tackle. 25 was there you know you were you were going to see him right near the end of the play and I don't know about his coverage skills he he seemed fine I don't remember a, a play specifically where he gave up a, a big completion he had a couple passes completed underneath on his responsibility but he made the tackle quickly which is fine I think that that's really all you can expect from a safety and that's something that the other safeties Ohio State has haven't really done this year but yeah I thought he looked awesome he was he was really a, a bright spot here and it does make you think that if he was sitting on the bench who else is sitting on the bench that's more talented than the starters I, I think that you know Keandre Jones showed a little bit on that punt block. A punt. yeah that he's at least uh fast enough to play division one football which I don't think Tough Borland is I don't know if Pete Warner is I think Malik Harrison played pretty well, but, you know, Keandre Jones should get a shot at linebacker. Baron Browning, who's not been awesome this year, is still better than Pete Warner and Tough Borland, but he's not starting. And it's just Urban Meyer's dependency on guys who have the most practice reps, guys who have been here the longest, guys who do things the right way, in his words. It's bullshit. It's a really stupid way to approach a football program. I, I think that it came back to bite him at Florida. It's coming back to bite him here. You cannot... You can't play like that. You cannot run with just the guys that you trust because sometimes those guys aren't any good. I don't think that some of these starters on the defense and on the offense as well are talented enough to play at Ohio State. And that's an important thing in college football is if you're going to lean on talent like Ohio State does, you have to have talented players out there, and their talented players seem to be on the bench right now, and we saw Brendan White finally break through as one of the most talented players on the defense, pretty obviously, and I'd like to see more young guys. I doubt that we will, but if you're going out and recruiting all these four and five stars, what's the point of having them sit on the bench? I, I just, it's frustrating because we know that there's talent on this defense, and it's just not being used, and it's it's a waste it's such a waste of talent it's such a waste of eligibility and these these players deserve better than that
0: yeah and I mean there's a there's a bunch of frustrations that goes that go into that and Meyer himself said during his press conference that he often asks his coaches why young players aren't playing yet or why they aren't ready to play and I know that they do put a big emphasis on practice, but at some point you're just going to have to let the guys play. And as the head coach, like (laughs) you got to tell your assistants, like, Hey man, why isn't this guy playing? Put his ass in the game. Let's see what we have. And we would have never found out about Brendan White until probably next season. And maybe that's being generous. Maybe we wouldn't have found out. And That this has happened with him and I think this is something we brought up on the podcast multiple times if it happened to a guy like Von Bell who's playing in the NFL now like it can happen to anybody so this has been a thing you know Ezekiel Elliott as a freshman was getting not getting carries in favor of Jordan Hall and that's no shade to Jordan Hall but like come on man (laughs) like this is something I think that's it's beyond a thing like this is just a staple this is what they do and I think that transitions well into the linebackers but before that just one last thing about the secondary if any of you guys want to go back and watch like my biggest problem right now with Ohio State or one of the biggest problems 1431 left in the second Ohio State was up 16 to seven it was third and six Nebraska was on uh, the Ohio State 12 yard line and Damon Arnett was playing almost in the end zone yeah. on a third and six, And I'm not this uh, – I haven't been a big Damon Arnett guy, but I, I can see bad coverage when, when I see it. I know it when I see it. And that was something he was asked to do. And Nebraska just ran like a little four-yard out. And it was one of the most baffling things I think I have ever seen. And so I just wanted to throw that in there. If you guys want to go back and watch that play, I'm sure a lot of people know what I'm talking about. But that was just – Very indicative, I think, of how stubborn this coaching staff is, not only with their rotation of players, but with their scheme and what they want to do, because that was just downright bizarre. But on the subject of linebackers, I think yesterday or on Saturday, it all changed for me because I think we kind of agreed that, you know, Tuff Borland and Pete Warner and, you know, to a lesser extent, Malik Harrison, or at least for different reasons, Probably shouldn't be starting, but I was willing to throw those guys a bone and say, hey, they're not getting much help from their coach. They're not getting much help from their defensive coordinator. They're out of position because they, they're they being asked to do stupid things that they can't do. And I, I still think that that's true, but Saturday showed me a lot of like, to your point, you know what, 32 and 20 just might not be the guy's. Pete Warner in particular I think had a really really rough game and he's young enough to where he can improve a little bit and he has a good skill set despite being a little bit more slender he's shown an ability to get to the quarterback which I think is is pretty interesting but just in terms of pure linebacker play those guys just don't look like they have it and for some reason Borland was a champion of the game from what I saw he certainly did not play like a champion and like you said, you know, Keandre Jones comes in, makes a play on a blocked punt. They have all these other young guys at linebacker who we just don't see. And if the thing is that they aren't practicing well and these are the guys we can trust, well, we're getting to the games and I don't see how you can see any of these guys play and be like, yeah, we trust these guys because they're not making plays. So it's just, it's confusing that this is the rhetoric that they give us, but then the linebackers come out and they don't play well.
1: yeah, I, I think that a lot of it is putting them in bad situations. I mean there was a play specifically that stood out near the red zone. I don't remember exactly when it was, but Pete Warner had to cover i think it was a running back on it was
0: Spielman it was JD Spielman.
1: yeah, okay, so it was a wide receiver on an out route and he just got toasted, which is what's going to happen because jD Spielman is a very good slot receiver and Pete Warner is a linebacker who's not all that fast. And it's just the the that's the kind of thing where if you're gonna do that with a linebacker, why don't you put one of the fast ones out there? Why don't you put Baron Browning out there? Why don't you put Keandre Jones, who's obviously fast, out there? If you're gonna make them play cover one pretty much every play, which is basically what Ohio State's doing right now, then at least put the ones who can do that out there. I I just the the misuse of personnel and I think that that Pete Warner and Tuff Borland would be better in a system that isn't so stupid. This is this is a really bad system that Ohio State runs. It's been bad for years. It's just been covered by the fact that they had elite talent. Greg Shiano's not a good defensive coordinator. He's he hasn't been a good defensive coordinator for the entire time that he's been here. But he had Malik Hooker. He had two top 10 cornerbacks in the NFL right now in Marshawn Lattimore and Denzel Ward he had elite players at every single position and this year he doesn't this year he has some questions at linebacker he has some issues even up front with the defensive line that was supposed to be so good this year and the loss of Nick Bosa obviously hurts that a lot but they're really not able to make an impact because of how bad this scheme is. And it's no wonder that that they're not able to make an impact and they're not able to get to the quarterback. And it's because the cornerbacks are playing man coverage every play. There's no help across the middle. So teams can just pick them apart underneath for the entire game. And that's what Nebraska did. That's what Purdue did. That's what every team has done since Penn State. And they're going to keep doing it because Ohio State's not going to change. And I, I don't think that there is a personnel grouping on this team that would make this defense work. I, I think that there are awesome players on this team. I think there are awesome players probably sitting on the bench who just they could help cover for the bad system that Greg Schiano runs. But I don't think that there's the elite talent on this team to make it work, and he's not going to change anything. He's not going to start dropping linebackers into zone. He's not going to start playing heavier zone. And Ohio State is going to keep struggling because of that, because their coaching staff is extremely stubborn. And I think another thing is that a lot of the blame, rightly, is going to Greg right? He he is the one in charge of calling the defense. But it's not like Urban Meyer can't see this. It's not like Urban Meyer is completely unaware that his defense sucks. And he's the head coach. He can tell him to change his schemes, or he could fire him, which is what a good head coach would do. If your defensive coordinator isn't changing shit and he's not doing his job, why do you keep him on staff? It's – I just – it's so frustrating that Greg Schiano is making $1.5 million to put this shit out here. It's – he doesn't know what he's doing. He, he runs a bad defense. He's putting players in bad positions. And it's not – it's not watchable. It's not fun to watch this team play defense. I can't imagine that it's fun for these players to play in his defense – that's not what they came to Ohio State to do. That's not what Ohio State fans expect to see from this defense. And if Urban Meyer's not willing to make a change, then why are they paying him so much? What's his job if not to fix this team?
0: You know how I've said the past couple weeks, yeah, we won't uh, vouch for anybody to get fired. We won't say that on this <laughs> podcast. I've switched up. Yeah. It's time for Greg Schiano to get fired. <laughs> yeah. And it's time, for, it's time for Bill Davis to get fired because a couple of— I, There were some very illuminating things that Urban Meyer said in his press conference today, including, I don't really know if this is illuminating, but it's just funny and shows that time is a flat circle, that he said that he feels like the defense is getting closer, but they need to stop giving up big plays, and that it's, quote, nowhere near the standard we want, which is something we've heard over and over, like verbatim, for the last three or four weeks, He said that the linebackers keep improving, which is something we heard before the Purdue game and after the Purdue game. But something he also said was that he admitted that uh, missing fall camp kind of put him behind in evaluating new players as well as returners who had improved from the spring. He said he doesn't think that has impacted playing time as those decisions are mostly made by the position coaches. My question for you and the listeners is, is what exactly is Urban Meyer doing right now? If he took a step away from the offense, you know, he's less involved with that. They aren't calling as many quarterback runs despite them still running Dwayne Haskins for for some reason. And he isn't making decisions on playing time. What's happening right now, especially given that Ohio State's recruiting has fallen off a little bit, like I'm just at a loss because I, I think I'm less like, oh fire urban meyer he needs to go but like at this point man from everything he's saying and everything that's happening what is he doing like (laughs) that that is my real question because he can't just put it on well those are decisions made by the assistant coaches like you're the head coach you are the head man Yeah, he hired these guys (laughs) yeah for the program like it ultimately all falls on you and that's just where my confusion comes from is that all of these things are seemingly being left up to the position coaches but things aren't going well and he's just like well you'll have to ask Bill Davis about that or that's a question for Greg Shiano, like no you're you're the head coach you manage all of this and that's that's where I'm at a loss for words and really like what to think about this
1: I wrote a piece last week that went up on on Sunday about how uh, Ohio State right now looks a lot like Florida did at the end of Urban Meyer's tenure and how a lot of the things that he's saying line up with what he's saying now and what he was saying at Florida in 2010, even down to the health things, which I do think are legitimate issues and um, more than likely a result of stress and of his empire kind of collapsing a little bit. And I think that this was another thing with the whole assigning blame to his coaching staff, not being willing to change any of the things that he obviously knows are wrong. This was something that was an issue at Florida. This was something that when he lost Charlie Strong in 2009, he went out and hired an NFL coordinator in Terrell Austin who brought an aggressive scheme to Florida that didn't work. It didn't fit the personnel. The players didn't buy in and their defense got significantly worse in 2010 because of it. And I think that really the only thing keeping Ohio State from being like that team in the win-loss column even, is that they have Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins can bully this offense. He can keep this offense going. And when that's gone next year, I don't know what Ohio State will look like. I can't imagine it'll be good. I can't imagine that Ohio State, if Urban Meyer isn't willing to make changes to his coordinators, isn't willing to wildly change the way that he approaches coaching football here at Ohio State, I, I cannot imagine that he can put this thing back together. And that sounds silly to say as Ohio State sits at 8-1. and one, And I know that um, folks were real, real quick to say that Ohio State is 8-1, which is I'm, I'm more than happy to acknowledge that, yes, Ohio State is still a top-level football, football team. They, they can beat almost every team in the country because of their talent. But they're eight and one because of that talent entirely. They're not eight and one because of the coaching staff. They're not eight and one because of anything that their scheme is doing for them. They're eight and one because they're the second most talented team in the country. And pretty consistently this season, they have not looked like a top twenty-five team. And that's a coaching issue. And we we've said this for, for weeks now. We've said this for months now, that if anything can stop Ohio State, it's the coaching staff. That's what happened at the end of his tenure at Florida. And I think it's happening here with the coaching staff continuously getting in the way, the coaching staff not being able to optimize one of the most talented teams in football history. I mean, this is, there There have never been more talented college football teams than right now, and obviously Alabama is going to win the championship this season, but Ohio State should not be what they are right now, and I, I think that that's a coaching thing, and I'm not going out calling for Urban Meyer to be fired, but I, I do think, because you can't you can't fire someone with his record, but I do think that if he retired, it would not be the worst thing for this program. I, I think Ryan Day would do just fine, uh, keeping this thing floating and being more willing to make changes. I think Matt Campbell would be just fine. And I really don't think that Urban Meyer is bringing a ton to this program right now, as you mentioned. I mean, it doesn't really seem like he's doing anything.
0: And that's what pisses me off because... You know, I I do think that there are definitely similarities between what is happening right now and what happened at Florida. And if you guys haven't checked out Patrick's article about that, you need to. We'll link it here in the pod post. But the biggest difference for me is I think Florida was just kind of poisoned structurally, and they're always so volatile that that was just kind of bound to happen with how he was living his life at that point. And what gets me is that all of these changes, not all of them, but a lot of them, I think, are easy fixes. like that that's what's the worst part of this. If Ohio State had good coordinators and things were just going wrong, it was just one of those seasons, I would understand that. Even the 2015 season, I get that you win a national championship. everybody comes back. Everybody on campus, everybody in the world is lauding you and saying you're one of the best teams ever. You should win a title. You're 20 years old and, and stuff like that. Just it happens. That's college football. That's sports. But for this team, it seems like there's just so many easy little fixes of just like, hey, what if we just put the best players on the field? What if we switched up the rotation a little bit? What if we just stopped doing the same things? week in and week out that are hurting us because as we've said here it's one thing if another team goes out and plays really well and to Nebraska's credit I thought they played well but they also like we said made a bunch of mistakes and that was your biggest key to the game is like hey you know, Nebraska is going to be able to make plays, but they also have a freshman quarterback who looked really good, but he also made a ton of really, really stupid mistakes. Yeah. Another more seasoned quarterback isn't going to do that little triple option RPO thing they did and then throw the ball behind the receiver and have have Ohio State recover it when Nebraska was driving to try to score a touchdown. So I, I still think a lot of Ohio State's problems are just self-inflicted, and that's the biggest thing for me right now is like all of these things just seem like little fixes that they're just like nope it'll change trust us like we're just sticking to the process and i i understand that and i appreciate that to the point if the process is good this process is shitty and needs to change like that's (laughs) that's where the trust the process stuff doesn't work is when the process is super bad and you keep getting the same results out of that process week in and week out and that's where we, most of what we've been talking about comes from the defense, but I think it also goes a little bit into the offense. And there are some good things to talk about with the offense, but what's, what stands out to me in this conversation about the offense as well and what we can use to talk about them in relation to the problems we've seen on the defense is Ohio State's had a ton of trouble in the red zone. We saw that against Purdue. We saw it against Minnesota. We've seen that basically all season. And they were pretty good on Saturday. And they brought in Wyatt Davis near the goal line to help out. And it seems like he made a pretty big difference. Meyer raved about him and bringing him in. And he said that he's been really impressive in practice. And that was part of the reason why they used him in the red zone. And then he said, quote, we have to get that guy in the game. We have to get him in the game. Like, it's right there. Yeah, You're saying yeah. it yourself. We have to get the guy in the game. Why are you waiting to put him in in the red zone? Why is he not just the starting guard? When you've had offensive line issues, like, how is this not an easy fix? Everything, it's all right there. Everything that Meyer or whenever any of the coaches talk, they are saying everything. It's, it's there for us to look and see, like, wow, even they know. They just won't do it. Will Wyatt Davis start against Michigan State? Absolutely not. There's no way in hell. They aren't willing to make that decision. But on the other hand, they bring him into the red zone, the place where they've had some of their biggest struggles of all season, and they score what? They were three or four in scoring touchdowns in the red zone, and they'll just be like, oh, man. We—he he was really impressive. He's been impressive in practice. We gotta find a way to get that guy in the game, and then they just won't put him in the game until they get into the red zone. Like that's the shit I'm talking about.
1: If only there was a way for Urban Meyer to—I um, don't know—go <laughs> over the head of his offensive line coach, who he hired and employs. It's not like he has to listen to what Greg Studrawa wants. He could fucking fire him. Who cares? It's Urban Meyer's team. If he wants, if he thinks Wyatt Davis is deserving of a start, why doesn't he start him? It, and it, 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 it is like, I think that plenty of blame should go to position coaches here, you know, because they're making bad decisions. Yeah, they saw. Yeah, they're making bad decisions with the personnel. But if it's that obvious to us, I mean, I'm an idiot. I don't know shit. I, I'm like. <laughs> actively dumb I've never coached football in my life but I can see this stuff we can see this stuff this is not I think that the average fan can tell that Wyatt Davis is better than the starting guards he's one of the best linemen on this team and he showed that in one game that's all it took you know it you can see it with Brendan White that he's obviously better than Isaiah Pryor at that safety position and if Urban Meyer can see that which I'm sure he can I mean, there's no way he can't see that. He can make that change. No one's stopping him. He he is allowed to make that change. This is his football team. I mean, Ohio State certainly gave him a vote of confidence when they brought him back. When they didn't fire him for the, the scandal in the offseason, they certainly told him, this is your program. Do with it as you will. And he's not. He's not doing anything. He's He's hiring guys who he's friends with and expecting them to do it. And they're not doing it. And if he wants to fix this program, if he really wants to get this thing fixed, then he'll do it himself, but he's not. And I know that you can't micromanage your your staff. You can't micromanage because that's what he got into at Florida. He got into trying to control the whole program and it stressed him out, and he had to he had to retire because of it. But that only works if you have a competent staff, which he doesn't. And I know that you can't fire your staff in the middle of the season unless you're, you know, like Lincoln Riley or um, any other number of elite coaches that have done that. But he has to cover up for them somehow because Ohio State's going to keep losing games if he doesn't. They're going to lose to Michigan State. They'll lose to Michigan. If you can't cover up for these mistakes, good teams will get you. The only reason Nebraska did it is because they're not deep enough to do that. They, they very nearly got Ohio State, despite being a two-win team for good reason. They're talented, but they don't have depth, and that's, that's where Ohio State won this game. But if Urban Meyer thinks that changes need to be made, why doesn't he make them? It's just, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand it.
0: On the specific subject of Wyatt Davis, I just want to pull this up. This is from 11 Warriors. Shout out to them. This is from October 27th. So this was last week. Before this game, the headline of this article, Ohio State not planning to change offensive line, but Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers among young linemen, quote, knocking on the door, which comes with this choice quote from Ryan Day. I don't think the plan right now is to look to move anybody at this point, but the competition's always there. And if those guys are playing better, then we're going to consider it. And I think that's that's where it is right now. Even if the guys are playing better, it's just like, That's something we'll consider. That happens right now. It's happening right now with Wyatt Davis, and it's happening with what we said with Brendan White. He went out and made a bunch of plays and probably saved the game for Ohio State. And their reaction is, huh, all right, maybe we should play this guy a little bit more. Not even we should play him more. Maybe we should play him more. And I I just can't. I can't understand it, and it doesn't make any sense. And it feels like the fixes are right there. They're just, you know, making not even I think a ballsy choice. Just like the easy choice. Because like you said, we're stupid and we can see this shit. Like it that's that's the most frustrating thing. And I, I do think that there's a bit to it where Meyer wasn't in fall. Camp didn't get to see a lot of this. And it's hard to have any other explanation for it other than just like, I trust these guys. They're some of my best friends. So why would I not go with what they think? And it's like yeah but they're idiots so that's just where we're at right now and hopefully Wyatt Davis sees a little bit more of the field the offensive line was better I don't know if you want to get into the run game now it's yeah. a pretty decent segue and like you said Nebraska's defense isn't isn't good their run game their, their rushing defense isn't good Michigan tore them up Wisconsin tore them up and now Ohio State did but that's where we are man Ohio State had over five yards of carry for the first time in like a month and a half and we're celebrating the fact that they ran over a bad defense, which over the course of Myers' tenure here, they would do to pretty much anybody, including elite defenses. And now this week, they have to play one of the best, if not the best, in the country. But that's where we are. The Ohio State averaged over five yards a carry against a bad defense, and... It's actually reason to celebrate because they finally look good.
1: Yeah, Michigan State, for reference, is uh, second in rushing S and P defense, first in rushing marginal efficiency defense. Um, efficiency is kind of Ohio State's whole thing, so that's that's really not ideal. We'll we'll certainly be uh, pretty concerned about that when we do the <clears throat> the preview podcast here in a couple days. But I think the rushing game here, with you know, it, it should be taken with the fact that Nebraska's defense is not very good uh, at at much of anything but I do think that the Russian game was a positive here I, I think J.K. Dobbins looked really good I think Mike Weber even with the fumbles looked really good um, they played how we expected them to play this season the we had the they had the dynamics that we were hoping they would have this season where J.K. Dobbins wasn't producing as many as many big plays he did have a big run at the end of the game but he was more of a grind it out, pick up five, six, seven yards a carry. Um, His success rate was significantly higher than Mike Weber's at 70% as opposed to Weber's 56%. But then Mike Weber was creating big plays. He was, you know, he had a couple plays where it seemed like he was completely stopped in the backfield and he just he found a hole and and turned it into a a bigger run. And that's what these two guys are supposed to do. That's the role that they're supposed to play. Um, Weber is supposed to be... More of a big playback Dobbins is supposed to be a consistent yards getter and they did that here So I I really I can't complain too much about the rushing attack. Even if it was against a pretty bad defense I think that this is um, I think that it's good (laughs) that they were able to uh, To pick up yardage like this and I I will say last thing on the the running game at least from me is that I I think it was a small positive positive that in the second half they seem to figure out that when you send Paris Campbell in motion, you don't have to hand it off to him. You can just pretend to <laughs> and then hand it off to a running back, um, which they, had, they hadn't figured out to this point in the season. This is, what, game number nine? And every time that Paris Campbell had gone in motion this season, I legitimately I don't remember a time up to this point where Paris Campbell went in motion and he didn't get a pop pass or a handoff. And they finally figured it out in the second half that they can use him as a decoy, like you would a running quarterback and get a numbers advantage because of it. And it worked, which is just, just stunning stuff that they, <laughs> it took them this long to, to figure out how to do that. But, um, that's the way to use him. If you're going to use him in the running game, you don't always have to hand it off to him. You can not do it sometimes and clear up some space for your running backs. And it was good to see them, uh, learn that. I'm glad that we're just slowly learning with this professional coaching staff, but I think the running game was good. I think the line had a seemingly a, a renewed focus on rush blocking. They weren't great for pass blocking. They, they kind of screwed Dwayne Haskins over a couple of times who didn't have a great game, but he only took one sack. Um, and I think in general, he was, he was okay, but, um, the rushing attack looked good. I, I doubt that it's sustainable against a a really good michigan state defense but if it's at least good ohio state will have a shot there which is i mean i guess i'll take it
0: yeah and you know what i like is jk dobbins looked like he was i don't know what he was fed up with but he looked like he was fed up with (laughs) some shit yeah and he looked like he let out a lot of frustration against the nebraska defense and mike weber played well but man jk when they get him involved and make a concerted effort to have him involved. He is just such a game changer. And we saw him break the long touchdown run and have a couple of other nice, really long runs where he just runs with such power and he's so low and it's just hard to bring him down. He has to be a focal point, if not the focal point of this offense. I think even despite, you know, all the praise we've given to Dwayne Haskins, I think that this offense it's consistency really depends on if they're keeping J.K. Dobbins involved. And there was a lot more of them just like handing the ball off to him and just letting him choose a hole because that's what he's really good at is being patient and picking where to run. And I thought he looked the best he has all season, including like the Penn State game or even the TCU game that he just, he looked patient, he looked powerful and they might not be able to keep that up against a really good Michigan State defense, but I would like to see the effort there still that they're getting him involved they're giving him the ball in advantageous positions and that definitely was a positive to uh to take forward and we'll see what happens with the running game but it's nice to see them take a, a what was a massive step forward I think from what we've seen over the last month. you mentioned Dwayne haskins. I feel like it's safe to say this was his worst game even even uh judging against the Purdue game I think that this one was just worse. He looked out of sync. He threw the really bad interception. I think it was worse than the one he threw against Oregon state, but he just really didn't seem to have it. And that's okay. He's still a young quarterback. He's going to go through his lumps, but I just, there's something about this passing game that I really just don't like. It, it seems like they're running the same passing game that they did under JT Barrett and yeah, I I don't like it. There's not a lot of shots downfield. We saw the one to Terry McLaurin, which he couldn't haul in, but it just seems like they're not stretching the field. Benjamin Victor wasn't a factor at all. In fact, I think he was kind of a negative, and I I was really disappointed with that, but I I just don't like the outline of the passing game right now. We did see Luke Farrell catch three passes. Tight end got involved, man.
1: Yeah, the, the tight end did get slightly involved. I would be interesting to hear from someone that knows a little bit more about like scheme stuff and the way that passing attacks work and the way that good passing attacks work than I do about what it is about this passing attack. That's a little weird. Cause I, I feel the same way that it just, it feels like they're not getting the most out of Dwayne Haskins. I mean, seven, about seven and a half yards in attempt doesn't really feel all that good for someone who we know have a, has a really strong arm and it, he's putting up numbers still. He's, I mean he's playing well. He's a very good quarterback, but it does just feel like they could they could get more out of him. It feels like the the passing attack at times isn't really designed to open up receivers. It's not really designed to take advantage of what the defense is showing and it's just kind of Ohio State is going to run what they're going to run regardless of what the defense is doing and they're not really setting up plays. They're not really going through the flow of a game and and Calling different things to then set up what would be a wide open play, and it 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 feels like their big plays are really just defenses, not either not e- not being able to keep up with somebody or having a blown coverage, and that's not really a sustainable model. I don't think that was the the Johnny Dixon cover. The Johnny Dixon touchdown was just a blown coverage, um, and a lot of the Paris Campbell touchdowns this season have been blown coverage, and him being really fast, and it just. I think the wide receivers are significantly better this year than they have been in years past, and it's pretty easy to figure out why uh, as a, <laughs> from a coaching perspective, but um, it just doesn't feel like Ohio State's taking advantage of that. It doesn't feel like they're really using the fact that they have an elite quarterback and six really good receivers, uh, you know, and they're not using that to the best it could be used, and there are passing attacks that feel so much more efficient, so much more explosive, and, I mean, you look at a team like Alabama, even, and I, I hate to keep going back to compare Ohio State to Alabama because Ohio State is on a completely, I mean, they're different. They're playing different sports <laughs> at this point. I, I don't think that there are any teams in college football that can beat Alabama. But the way that, that Nick Saban has modeled that passing attack around Tua and made it work for his strength, made it work for what he does, and we I think we mentioned this last week with how young Alabama's receivers are And yet they're still open. They're still getting separation, even if they're not masters at route running yet, just because they're really fast. I don't think Jalen Waddle runs a great route by any means, but he's open all the time because he's really fast. And Alabama runs things to get him open. They they run what are essentially screenplays, And, I mean, that doesn't ever really get called. But you don't see Ohio State do it. You don't see Ohio State... Clearing out to to open up receivers and taking advantage of what the defense is doing and it just it feels like a waste It's it's the same thing with the defense where we know the defense has talent. They're just not really Able to show it and I think when you have a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins We saw this with Cardale Jones too, making him throw underneath Essentially 25 times a game and then letting him take a couple shots is not a good way to use his talent And it's just I don't know. It's he's still very good but it feels like he's good in spite of the play calling.
0: Yeah, and it just is something we keep going back to that them being able to throw the ball deep would help so many other areas of their offense from pass protection to running the ball to whatever else. And maybe the kind of lack of pass protection is why they don't do that, but they're also unable to protect a lot of times uh, when it comes to the short passing game as well. And I don't know who. Watch that block that got Haskins killed on the fumble. But I believe that it was, was... <laughs> Mike Weber,
1: which is a strange thing to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was either Weber or Titan or somebody, but that was ugly. And that was kind of a theme for them, too. It was what, three turnovers. And I know Meyer said, oh, we didn't, you know, it was a closer game than we thought. We thought Nebraska was good, but, you know, without those three turnovers. Even without those three turnovers, I think Nebraska was was going to get theirs because they made some stupid plays as well. And if Nebraska's receivers could catch the ball, they may have won. So, like, there were, there were some bad things that they did too. But it feels like even for the passing game, you know, it hasn't been bad. And I don't want to rip on Ryan Day for it and say, you know, he's been as shitty as the other guys. But it seems like they're just leaving – Stuff on the table, and that is really tough to see when you have a quarterback as talented as Dwayne Haskins. Who, like I said, I don't, I don't think he played his best either. Some of this is on him, but it feels like they still aren't really utilizing him to his strengths in the passing game. Let alone, you know, still calling RPO stuff, which I just, I, I just don't get, Patrick. I don't get it. But this is where we are, and it, it feels like the offense is kind of inching towards making. A step up but they just need to figure out what exactly that next level is and I think part of that may be hey the guy that you put in on offense at guard who you say is such a game changer and you had to get him in maybe start him that might be an answer to help the offense so we'll see
1: yeah I, I think that that's that's really about all all that there is that can be said about this game Ohio State is winning because of talent eventually they're going to play other talented teams i mean purdue is not not that high of a bar and they've got a michigan state team that has a really damn good defense and um their michigan state's offense is dreadful but i still think they'll be able to put up points on ohio state and then michigan who i know that ohio state fans don't really want to hear it i I don't like to um i don't like to admit it but michigan is a very very good football team I, i think that michigan is pretty easily in not in the class with Alabama and Clemson. Alabama and Clemson are the best two teams in the country, but I think Michigan is pretty easily third. Um, I, I think that they're legitimately very fun to watch. their Their offense is getting good. Um, their defense is as good as a college defense that I've seen in the last five years or so. They're they're spectacular, and I just I don't think Ohio State can survive on talent against those guys. They've they've got to figure out some scheme stuff that works, and I, I think that. Michigan talent-wise, Michigan scheme-wise, has caught up enough that they can give Ohio State a, a serious battle, and I think Michigan's probably going to win that game, which is not good. It's not good that Ohio State has already kind of lost their advantage over Michigan because they can't take advantage of the talent that they have, and um, it's it's just not not good right now. Things are not great at Ohio State, even if they are 8-1, and one. and I think that... Um, anyone that really watches this team and and isn't just watching with scarlet goggles can see that Ohio State is not in a great place right now.
0: Yeah, what it all comes down to to me is after the game, Meyer saying, "Yeah, that's a two win team, but that's a two win team that no one wants to play right oh, now." Oh man, <laughs> I will I will heartily disagree.
1: And yeah, Nebraska lost to Michigan by forty six.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's 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 the answer right there but that's just kind of where we are at I I don't really have any any other takeaways from this game or anything else around the country the only other thing I wanted to get to was Michigan and yeah they they look super good really good and that is very concerning but two of the next three opponents at Michigan State you know we'll see what you know the Maryland game holds on the road and then home against Michigan this season could kind of swoop down and they could Snatch victory from the jaws of defeat and turn this thing around and build some momentum to 2019 and kind of have a, have a better idea of where they're going to go. Or this thing could really crash and burn and we will find out. I think starting in East Lansing this Saturday. Yeah,
1: I think that that's really all it is is that kind of wait and see to see if Ohio State has actually figured things out. The early returns are not encouraging. I, I don't think that they have, and I doubt that they will before the Michigan State game and michigan state is um not looking (laughs) great right now i I don't i don't think that the the results for that game are going to be particularly favorable for ohio state unless they can really turn things around and i I just i don't see it and um it's great that ohio state's eight and one it's great that ohio state is is able to to win games despite their coaching staff but it's um it's frustrating it's frustrating to watch this team and I think at the beginning of the year I remember us saying that um this was going to be or should be the most fun Ohio State team in years and it's still not and um I I really I don't remember the last time since that 2014 postseason that I had fun watching an Urban Meyer team and he's the connection there it's it's not Tim Beck it's not Ed Warner it's not this defensive coaching staff, and those are all guys who are bad at at coaching. Um, but Urban Meyer is the one who hired them. He's the one who's running this program, and I think that he's the one who wants football to be played like this. and it's it's just it's bad to watch. He wins games. It's bad to watch. I'm not super sure it's sustainable at this point.,
0: uh, good times here on the yep. Holy Land Podcast. <laughs> Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review there. You can also find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash land. Find us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod, and you can interact with Patrick and I at Patrick underscore Mayhorn, and I am at Dubsco. and then follow the site as well at LandGrant33. And just follow all of our coverage, LandGrantHolyland.com. We'll have a lot coming your guys' way this week for the Michigan State game. We'll be back in a couple days with a preview of that game. But until then, for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been The Hangout in the Holy Land. And go Bucks!